You're listening to the keys one seven. Peace and happiness with your host, Rafika and Brother James. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Rafika, your co-host. My my co-host, Brother James, is here. We're ready to get started. Uh, today, we're going to be focusing on the financial key. We got a lot in store for you today. We have a new segment that we're going to be introducing called What's New in Our World. We're going to talk about some community outreach things we're going to be doing with the Keys 107. Just for anybody that's uh, tuning in via the computer, you can always listen to us on your cell three nine four three three six one eight. Okay, the chat room is open and the blog talk. Pop in, ask your questions from there. We are online on Facebook at the Keys One Hundred Seven. The chat room is open there. You got a lot of ways to reach us. Send us a question via suggestions at the Keys One Hundred Seven Network dot com, and we are focusing on the financial key. We have a special guest. He's an entrepreneur. He fits right into our entrepreneur series. His name is Haroon Niket. He is known by his, I would say, bold and daring decision to leave his job, his nine to five job, and become financially independent. His decisions were multi-leveled, bold, and as I said before, daring, because a lot of us think about that, but don't actually do it, right? He's that is very true. Is that Brother James? That is Brother James. Ah, you know what I always say when Brother James is in the house, expect something wonderful to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, my dear. Well, listen, well, as we're talking about. I was just giving the background on Haru. Mm-hmm. And setting it up I've... and letting everybody know that he's going to give us seven easy to follow strategies or steps on what he calls the insider secrets to financial success. And we have a few announcements, Brother James, and then we're going to go to the healthy tip today, and then we're going to go for a brief pause, and we're jumping right in. Now, I didn't mean to cut you off. What did you want to say, sweetheart? Oh, I thought we were going to just go right into uh, uh, introducing um, Brother uh, uh, Haru. So I hold back, and you're going to continue on with your program, and then when we we come back, I'll I'll bring him on in, okay? Okay, well, why don't we just go right into the healthy tip of the day? All right. Okay. The Keys 107 at com presents the Healthy Tip of the Day. The Healthy Tip of the Day is to spend time in nature. Being in nature is an excellent way to connect with the earth and its natural rhythm. At least once a week for 30 minutes, explore your local parks by walking a trail or finding a peaceful place just to relax. When you start communing regularly with nature, expect to feel more at peace and calm within. Today's healthy tip of the day has been brought to you by wellness expert Medea Allen. I invite you to learn more about me and my services at www.organicsoulchef.com. 
Well, thank you, Medea Allen. She always brings it like nobody else can. You know, Brother James, today we're launching our new mini segment called What's New in Our World. <laughs> That's sort of the mm -hmm. things that are happening in and around us. And I'm so excited because we're going to announce that the Keys 107 is going to South Africa. The Keys 107, somebody's calling us on our, on our uh, office line. The Keys I 107 see. is going to South Africa. We're going July for two weeks, July 2016. We're going to have more information on our next broadcast. Uh, we are joining up with the International Arts Foundation in New Orleans, Louisiana. And we've got some other special treats um, to talk about in that trip. We went to South Africa a couple of years ago and we had a ball. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Yes, and, and, and just another quick note, our resident South African jazz musician, Ernie J. Smith, has a new album out, a new single out called Winner, and we're going to be featuring that in the upcoming weeks as well. So what's new in your world, Brother James? Oh, man, I'm so excited today to get an opportunity to hear from our great brother, Naket, and um, Her Haru Naket. Um, he's a fellow uh, Br uh, Brooklynite. Um, mm. you know, raised there. And uh, he has an interesting uh, way of communicating about finances that can educate and help all of us to uh, learn how to uh, straighten out our finances and get our lives, financial lives together. He's also an author um, uh, of a book called The Recession Driven Riches. And um, because of him using these special techniques, he um, um, takes away from what the wealthy have guarded in terms of information. Now he's sharing it with all of us. And uh, through this knowledge that he has obtained over the years, he has um, been able to leave his job at 36 years old, acquire millions of dollars worth of real estate, and have plenty of creative business ventures. Uh, he's been doing this since uh, uh, 2004. So that's well over 10, you know, 10 years. So he has actually starting to harness this information and he is sharing it with us he has a background in television a production from brooklyn college and uh, uh a master's degree from long island university 15 years worth of teaching experience in the new york city uh, department of education and he brings to us this information uh in a very creative fun exciting way and he has interacting uh in interactive training programs for people who want to learn how to be financially free through real estate investing, investing in securities, and creating profitable and small business, uh, whether uh, the economy is up or down. So let us not belabor it any longer. Let's bring in our wonderful brother and see how he's doing, and uh, and let him check in. Brother Haru, are you online with us? Yes. Hey, you, how are you? you? I'm doing fine. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, welcome to the Keys 107. Uh, Sister Rafika is on the line with us. Hello. Oh, you're still... oh, you, your mic is acting up. It's, your mic is acting up. Can you hear me? No, we can't. So we're going to, uh, you straighten out that technology issue and we'll talk a little bit until you come back online. Uh, Brother Rue, there's so many things when I went to um, your uh, the website. Uh, also, when I went to um, uh, just 
searching the internet for things that you have put out there. I see that you have written many articles, you have blogged, your secrets to success is, is absolutely uh, worthwhile listening to. You know, um, we just have to um, start somewhere. So let us start with the first concept that you've, you put out there, changing your mindset to change your life. And it's all about your uh, financial awareness. So talk to us a little bit about that. Well, I think the first thing people have to understand is that we live in a totally different world than our parents lived in, and we need to stop using post-Depression-era strategies. You know, one of the things that came out of the Depression was uh, go to school to get a good education so you can get a good job that you can stay on for the rest of your life um, that has benefits, that has uh, a retirement package. Make sure you invest in a 401K, and you'll always have Social Security. And the reality mm -hmm. is today that it's a totally different world. Um, you know, a four-year education or a six-year college education will not suffice for the rest of your life because the world is changing so rapidly that those skills become obsolete quickly. And so now mm. we're in a situation where adults will have to re-educate themselves, retool themselves, reskill themselves frequently to be able to stay ahead. You know, one of the tragedies of the Great Recession was that people over 50 became suddenly unemployable. And so right. you have this wave of, of people 50 and over working in fast food restaurants now trying to demand a higher wage for an entry-level job. Um, you know, the idea of staying on a job for 30 years is now an obsolete concept because companies don't stay around for 30 years anymore. And so as companies begin to change, you'll have to change and move along with that. Um, nobody wants to keep permanent employees anymore because it's too expensive. You know, the concept of putting your money into a 401K, just dumping a few dollars in it every single month and letting it grow. Um, when the Great Recession happened, the average person lost about 60% of the value of their 401K, which is unrecoverable in their lifetime. So uh, we also know that Social Security is on the chopping block, that most of us, by the time we're of age, and they're already talking about raising the age, by the way, um, right. it won't rec we won't recognize what Social Security was for our parents. So, you know, we live in a, a dramatically different world. Um, the good thing, though, about it, you know, that's the, the bad parts about it. The good thing mm -hmm. is that any individual can now, because of the innovations in technology, communications, and transportation, any individual can replicate inexpensively what it took a mega corporation in the past to do with a lot of resources and a lot of money. So now everybody has the ability to tap into a global marketplace. Everybody has the ability... Um, to get things manufactured uh, quickly, easily, and expensively. Everybody has the ability to communicate with the other side of the world. So, mm -hmm. you know, there are good things and there's bad things, but we have to recognize that. And, and unfortunately, most people don't recognize it until it's too late, till things have already changed. Right, so, right, so, right. Yeah. Well, you, I think... I, 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 you're, you're breaking up again, Rafika. Is something wrong with your mic? No. Um, yeah. no, can't hear you. So, we, uh, listen, I want to know, uh, we are witnessing the greatest transfer of wealth in world history. Is a statement that you made. Talk about that, uh, that, that wealth transfer. Well, uh, I'll put it in simple terms that everybody can understand. When, when the Great Recession happened, it, a lot of it was due to a major housing crisis we had in America, right? Pr prices suddenly bottomed out, the value of real estate bottomed out, and we saw steadily over a million foreclosures per year for a good five years, six years straight. And what happened was 
the value of the properties decline, but wealth doesn't disappear itself. Wealth mm-hmm. kind of sits in limbo waiting for somebody to grab it. So what happened? The banks seized the properties, but the banks were compensated by the bailout. You know, we, we bailed the banks out, and for every toxic asset, and they were talking about these um, foreclosed properties, they were compensated. So the bank had no loss. Right. The owners got the loss, so the banks took them, tried to sell it at the auction, but of course they couldn't sell it at an auction because you go to the auction to get a discount. So they, they, what they did, they took them and put them on their books, and it's called what you call an REO, or real estate owned. And mm-hmm. what the banks did was bundle those REOs and sell them at a discount to people who could afford blocks of 100, 200 properties. So if you buy it at pennies on the dollar on the other side, you got what you call instant equity, which means you automatically got value. So wealth was transferred from one side to the other side. That's just one mm. example of what we're seeing. And, you know, technology has also created a zero-sum game. You have the few people who have mastered technology are able to now leverage that to conquer a greater and greater share of, of the market. And I'm not talking about a local market. Before, everybody had the ability to be successful in a local market, but you have people who are successful in a global market. And they got right. more and more and more while other people are standing on the sidelines just leaving that money on the table. So all mm. the money, when we see that, that shift to that 1%, it's going to get worse. Mm. Talk about and, technology. And so, I just have so to... Really, I'm sorry. I was going to say, you said technology. I got to work, make sure my partner's online. Rafika, <laughs> did you fix your technology? See, the, the good thing about this transfer of wealth is it's all about how you position yourself that will determine whether you're on the losing end of this or the winning end of this. Mm-hmm. See, it's all about positioning. If you position yourself to be in that, in that place where the money is leaving, then, of course, you're going to end up with nothing. But if you reposition yourself to be on the other side of that, then wealth transfers to you. And right. all it is, a lot of it is a change of mindset and a change of, of the way we do business every single day that will determine whether you're on the losing end or the winning end. And everybody has the ability um, to make that shift. But you really right. have to do things dramatically different than what you did before. Well, uh, Haruli, are you saying that we have to stop being consumers and be producers? Is that the shift that you're talking about there? I mean, that, that's a big part of the shift. You can't continue to consume. There's an imbalance there. You know, if you're, if you're yes. consuming, 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 and you're not producing, uh, everybody's not going to be the producer, but you have the ability to, to create jobs um, by creating right. a business. You have the ability to house people by uh, creating um, a, a situation in real estate. You have the ability to finance somebody's business if you invest in the marketplace. So everybody has the ability to tap into those things that make money. Um, but you just have mm-hmm. to position yourself to do that. You can't, uh, no, here's the, the real secret. You can't be financially free if you have a job. See, a this job creates comfort, right? A job creates comfort because you have a steady paycheck coming every single week. You know how much you're going to get. You know how much they're going to take out of your check. Um, and that, that's comforting for some people. But you can lose your job, you know, if you're, and to be financially free means that your passive income, that's income that's derived other than earned income, when that meets or exceeds your expenses, you're financially free. And, and we see many examples of, of people who've had high-paying jobs. We look at Mike Tyson. He made $300 million boxing and then ended up with nothing. You know, we look at Michael right. Vick. Michael Vick was the highest-paid player in the NFL, and he had a little, you know, trouble with the dogs, and then he lost it all. He had to file bankruptcy. So having a job will never make you financially free. Um, you have to right. set yourself up so that you wake up every morning and money's going into your bank account. 
You go on vacation, the money's mm-hmm. going into your bank account. Um, you retire because you choose to, and money's still going into your bank account. See, there's no retirement from passive income. Right. And so we have to we have to begin mm-hmm. to make that shift um, to understand that we can't work forever. And working, right. it, it, you know, it doesn't really give you security. It might give you some comfort temporarily, but it really doesn't give you security or freedom, which is more important. This is true. You know, um, a lot of times when, I, when we talk about uh, doing for self is a term that uh, many of us in the community talk about, but sometimes it's very difficult to get started or you get started and you get stumped and you can't get across the goal line. You can't make... Uh, ends meet with your new business, your small business you're putting forth. Um, I believe part of that is by design. We have never been taught as a people the science of doing business, the science of making money. Um, The Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us that there were three sciences that our former slave masters never intended to teach us. And one was science of warfare the other was the science of, of, of mating or genetics and the last of the sciences was the science of business and because he never wanted to see us independent we can never see true freedom as you're talking about until we like you said earlier make a commitment to change um and um to to, to look at well, this passive stream of income let me let me let everybody on the secret science of business because it, it's um, it's not really that complex. I think go ahead, what bro. happens is most people go into business backwards, and let me explain that. Mm-hmm. Most people have a passion. They have this love for something, um, or they come across this product or service that they think everybody needs, and so they invest a lot of money into developing the product. They develop a website. You know they they you know, get a location, they do all these things, and then they look for somebody to sell it to. And that's a backward strategy. And that's what I call actually the failure model. And the success model is the total opposite. The first thing you have to do is find a target market, a demographic, a target market that has shown that they have an insatiable appetite for something already. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be the same product. So, for instance, if somebody, and we'll take something just, randomly. If somebody's into golf, um, they're going to buy the golf shoes, they're going to buy the golf clothes, they're going to buy a membership to the golf club, um, they're going to buy clubs, they're going to buy DVDs on how to make their game better, um, they might hire a trainer, they're going to do all these things. So there's a lot of money in that one area. So I'm not saying duplicate exactly what somebody's doing, but when you find a target market that has an insatiable appetite for something, then you seek to create a product or service that they're willing to spend money on first mm-hmm. and then you bring that to market and then you know because here's the reality people don't buy what they need so that's why how we make a mistake right. with all these um, you know super elixirs and you know all these health things we're like okay you know people need this they'll all buy it no people only no. buy what they want so when you right. find what they want you deliver that you deliver it in a way that they want it at a price point that they want it um you know in, in a delivery system that they want it and it's hard not to make money when you look at it that way. And all that is is becoming customer-centric. That's looking at the, mm-hmm. the, the demographic first and not trying to monetize your passion. Now, here's the flip side. I say do your passion, but don't try to monetize it. See, because if you try to monetize mm-hmm. your passion, 
you're not willing to change it to meet the market wants. Right. So, so make money so you can do your passion. Right, right. Well, you know, I think what we have learned and have heard over the years that if a, if a man um, has a passion and he's oh, going after his passion and it works for him, it's like not working at all. I forget the exact phrase, but yeah, that I mean, passion. Yeah, I that, but, but, but the reality is it's hard to monetize your passion because it's your passion, right. not what everybody else necessarily wants. Right, so, so right, make your right. money to, to so you can set up your life so that you can enjoy your passion without having to live off of it. Exactly. All right. Did I hear Rafika in the backdrop? That that was that was a profound statement, Haru, because you know, most times when you're getting ready to go into business people will advise you, stick with your passion, do something that you love. And so now you're saying that it's the opposite and what you're saying does make sense. But, you know, I want to make sure that we hit those seven points that you have uh, outlined so that we keep our listeners um, with their pens and papers. And we want to tell everybody this is a good time to get your pen and paper. Those of you who are on the line, if you want to talk to Haru, if you have a question or you have a comment, you got to hit the number one on your keypad Otherwise, we don't know that you want to talk, and I'm looking at all the wonderful callers here on our switchboard. It's very exciting. We're going to need to go to a break shortly, um, Haru, but before we go, okay. let's let's just jump right into realigning your assets. Yes. Well, one thing, you know, alignment is so critical, um, you know, and, and it just goes back to high school physics. You know, there's a difference between uh, magnetized iron and just a regular piece of iron, and the only difference is that the electrons in the magnetized iron are all in alignment, so it attracts what it needs, repels what it doesn't. And that's the same thing you have to do with all of your assets. Now, sometimes we, we think of assets as only what the bank would call assets, but I mean your network, your relationships, your skill set, um, your monetary assets, your credibility, not necessarily your credit, but your credibility, um, and, and if all these things are in alignment, then you're going to attract the things that you're going to attract the opportunities um, that you need to be able to do things right. And so sometimes we have to look at what we considered an asset in the past and see mm-hmm. if it's really still an asset today. Because, again, the world has changed so dramatically. Things that we thought were important at one time aren't necessarily important now. So right. that, that requires, that requires a, a, a real honest assessment of where mm-hmm. you are without judgment. Without judgment, and that, that's important. So sometimes um, we feel a way about how we got into our situation, and so we're not really honest about our situation. But you can't change your situation until you're truly honest about exactly where you are. Mm. Now, let me ask you, uh, Haru, when we're looking at our situation, we're looking at our current finances, our past, our, um, uh, our strengths, our weaknesses, um, our age, our family dynamics. What what are we doing when we're doing this uh, this assessment? Well, I mean, you're looking to see how how those things um, may need to be altered, what things need to be um, enhanced, what things need to be shed. Um, every relationship's not a good relationship, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, things that we thought, and just like uh, you know, people at one time had a lot of equity in their house, and so they thought it was an asset because they were able to refinance the house and get cash. Well, that went out the window for a while. You know, the banks weren't allowing that, so equity meant nothing suddenly in the new economy. Um, You know, people's credit score, oh, no, I need to raise my credit score. Okay, but if there's no available credit being 
um, dispensed and don't worry about your credit score. Now look at reducing your debt with different ways that might affect your credit score. You know, right. so we have to, you know, really um, look at things totally differently because, again, the things that were important five, six, seven years ago are totally unimportant today. Mm-hmm. And there are Absolutely. some new things that, you know, you, that are very important that weren't important before. So the first well, the first point is to change your mindset, to change yes. your life. Yes. The next one is to strategically realign your assets. Yes. That area is going to be fuzzy for a lot of people because let's talk about that word asset. You mentioned a home, but what do we say to somebody who's not a homeowner? Maybe they're a renter. Well, well an asset is anything that, that gives you a benefit. You know, um, sometimes, we, like I said, we look at assets as, as only what the bank tells you an asset is. And, you know, there are other things that are assets to you. Again, um, strategic partnerships can be an asset. Um, technology today can be an asset. Um, when we look at crowdfunding, that's an asset. Uh, mind sharing, you know, they have groups like Quora where you can ask any question in the world, and there are people from around the world that would answer it. You know, that's an asset. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not just, that, again, it's not just bank assets that we have to look at. Um, you have to look at the investments that you had before. Some real estate is an asset. Some real estate is a, is a sinkhole. Um, certain bonds, for instance, bonds are, are trash today because the interest rates are so low. So in the past, you know, when we were young, everybody, oh, make sure you buy savings bonds for your children. Well, buying a savings bond today is not a good strategy. Um, IRAs, TDAs, 401Ks, those were good strategies 10 years ago, but they're not good strategies now. So those aren't necessarily assets for us. So we have to look at all those things. And I mean uh, um, a, a variety of things. Some people collected gold. Well, gold is dropping dramatically right now, so that's not necessarily a good asset. Um, having a job, is that a good asset? It might be, it might not be. Having a car, you have to look at everything, your credit cards, your loans, your mortgages, um, anything that you thought was of value before, you have to check and see if it's still of value today, or are you dumping money into something that's a losing cause? A lot of collectibles, Mm. comic books, baseball cards, at one time they had super value. The Internet took the value out of them because uh, collectibles have value because of scarcity. But now they're not scarce. I know. Let me me give you a quick anecdote to that. I have in my possession a few picture discs back in the days when we had uh, records, vinyl, record companies right. as a promotion would do the picture disc. So I had the um, Paul McCartney, No More Lonely Nights, I believe that that's the one it was, and I thought it would be worth a lot of money. <laughs> so I put it on the Internet at the price that I wanted to do, which was, you know, six, I mean, not six, uh, four digits. I thought that's what it would be worth, and then somebody sent me an email, and they said, hey, listen, I got that for 10 bucks. Take it down. <laughs> wow. So I thought I was collecting all these picture discs because one day they were going right. to be worth some money. <laughs> and, that, and that's well, my point. So now you have to look at that and not say, okay, I'm going to profit off of that. Let me just liquidate that now and put that money towards something else. Yes, yes. Were you going to say something, Handsome? Yes, I something? was. I was going to say, you know, a home or house is mm-hmm. sometimes not an asset. You know, no, absolutely um, not. It's somewhere you live. You know, um, the yeah. rule is you got to pay to. You're going to pay to play. So if you if you want to live in a particular place, you're going to pay the price to live there. It's not necessarily an asset. If you have a, a, a multiple dwelling, perhaps it can be an asset because you're collecting income from it. 
but a home in general. Um, and that's that's something we have to look at differently too. In the past, a home was considered an investment because it gained equity over time, and you could borrow against that equity in terms of refinancing, or you could sell it later in life and reap the benefits of the equity that it accumulated. But we saw that equity, you know, actually went negative in a lot of places. So properties were what you call upside down, and although. Uh, real estate has recovered in New York. When you look at other places around the country, it's still devastated. When you look at places like Detroit, Michigan, um, where you can get mm. a, a huge home for $10,000 or less, um, and those houses, if they were in New York City, would cost a million plus. Um, you know, sometimes yes. it can be, you know, and again, so that's why I say you have to reassess, uh, strategically realign your assets because, okay, now a home there is not necessarily a good investment, but home in Brooklyn, New York, where is growing dramatically, it, it's definitely an investment um, because we're seeing dramatic changes uh, in the economy in New York. Right, right, right. Well, we're going to hold that thought right there. and we come back, we're going to jump into that whole concept of saving money in the bank, and we would love to hear your thoughts on that, Haroon Niket. We're live here with the Keys 107, focusing on the financial key in our Entrepreneur Series Part 2. We're going to be right back with a quick commercial break. Uh, Brother James, I'm going to hit it now. Go right ahead with me. The Keys 107. We'll be right back. Rafika Consultants and Services Technology Trainers. Do you need help making your computer or smartphone work for you? Whether it's managing your email, navigating Windows 8, working with MS Office, creating videos for YouTube, or any other technology need, our friendly and expert trainers are ready to help you get it right. We also provide public relations and web design project management. For more information, contact us at www.rafikacs.com or on Facebook at Rafika Consultants and Services. For fashions that bring out the best in you, go to moon107.com. That's M-A-U-N-107.com. We feature organic hair and skin products, pink Himalayan sea salt, women tunic tops, children's books, jewelry, art, and organites. Visit us on the web at moon107.com. M-A-U-N-107.com. Alphabet is available on Amazon.com and on Kindle. So get your copy today. For more information, go to www.thefluffamily.com. Now, 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 back to the keys. 107 with your host, Rafika and Brother James. Okay, we're back. Um, Haru, are you still online with us? All right. I want to ask you a question because I think I've uh, read twice in some of your um, uh, information on the Internet that you said stop saving money in the bank. You, you stress that. Stop saving money in the bank. Explain the reason why uh, to our listening audience. Okay. One, one of the first investments uh, that our parents told us 
probably the only investment our parents told us to get was a savings account. And they said, make sure you save for a rainy day. And, again, mm-hmm. that's post-depression era strategy. And when we look at the numbers, because the numbers don't lie, when you look at the average savings account in America today, it pays less than 1% return at the end of the year. So you're getting, for every $100 you put in the bank, um, if we're talking about 1%, and that's really um, exaggerated because it's far less than 1%. In some cases, it's one-tenth of 1%. But let's use that number one because it's easy. For every $100 you leave in the bank for an entire year, you get $1 at the end of the year. Wow. And, and it gets worse because you don't get to keep the entire dollar because there's capital gains tax on that dollar. So if you're paying 20% capital gains tax on that dollar, you get 80 cents at the end of the year for every 100 that you left in the bank. Now, we also have to look at the inflation rate. If the inflation rate is 4%, but you're getting less than 1%, as simple math that you're losing money. Mm. So that means every year, every year you've left money in the bank to save for a rainy day, you've lost money. You've lost the value right. of your money. And so there's a simple formula. Um, if the inflation rate is about 4% and you're in the highest tax bracket, you need about 6.5% return on investment just for your money to break even. Mm. So you're not making that type of money in a bank account. Now, there's a, a value to having a bank account, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if, if you use it as your emergency fund, uh, which means that you have quick and, and easy access to it. Now, you can use other vehicles as an emergency fund, but you know you can, you know, run to the bank and get your money really quickly. And when I say an emergency fund, some people were really in trouble when the recession hit because they didn't leave a cushion for themselves. And I'm not talking about necessarily a rainy day, but the reality is people lose jobs. The reality is that that emergencies come up, whether it's a medical emergency that you're not covered for or um, your vehicle breaks down but and it's a necessity. So the, the rule is that you want to save about three to six months' worth of, uh, of income to cover your expenses. So okay. if you have whatever, your, yeah, whatever your, your expenses would be for three to six months, you want to have that put aside where you can have easy access to it. Um, so to me, that's the only value that there would be mm-hmm. for a bank account, but you still can put that into other vehicles that would give you a better return. Right. So if we are looking at strategies, you know, that we can, some takeaways, uh, one would be assess your monthly um, expenses. Let's just say it's $5,000. And yeah. you're saying that we should have three to six months. So we need fifteen dollars uh, to $30,000 in the bank. Most of yeah. us, or most uh, Americans don't have, you know, that amount of money saved in the bank. So we should set goals of saving just for the emergency fund, you know, uh, as you say, right? So that's something we could yeah. do right away. You know, if we know yeah. we have to have 5000 or 15000 or 30000 in the bank, how do I begin to accumulate that savings, put, place it in a bank? And are there some banks better than others for our savings? Uh, most banks in America are pretty much the same. They're kind of in cahoots, <laughs> um, so they kind of set that that interest rate pretty much the same. Everybody's going to be less than one percent, um, mm-hmm. you know. And and it's unfortunate because what happens? I don't think people really understand how banks work. The bank doesn't have any of its own money. So the money you right. put in the bank, it takes that money and, and they invest that money. So it really mm-hmm. doesn't make sense why you wouldn't invest your own money. You're, you're storing it somewhere where it's losing value and allowing them 
you know, access to free money to invest. Um, Absolutely. So they, I mean, pretty much all banks are the same. And and then the the uh, the your money in the bank is insured by the FDC, right? Is it FDIC or whatever FDIC, it is, right? Yeah. Yes, that's correct. Yes. Right. And there's a limit on uh, the money that you can have in one bank that is insurable. Is right. that correct? They raised the limit. Yeah, they raised the limit after the recession happened. It used to be ten thousand, and they raised it. It might be fifteen or twenty now. Um, I mean, but that's not really a problem because you can have accounts in, in multiple banks, or you can have multiple right. accounts in a bank, and it's still covered. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, if you don't, right. you have to look at the, the the other side of that. If you don't have that money put away, and the reality is, people lost their jobs, and people are still losing jobs. If you lose your job and you don't have that cushion to cover yourself, your whole world gets turned upside down. You know, you can find Absolutely. yourself quickly homeless. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, let's talk about uh, repositioning yourself as an expert. That's something that you like to touch on. You know, um, tell us how we go about that and uh, what that's all about. Okay, well, let me tell you the why first. Um, what we're mm-hmm. seeing is is the diminishing of the power of unions. Unions are unions basically have no power in America anymore, and mm. companies are realizing that even if they don't. Um, uh, outsource that is cheaper in terms of their labor costs not to have permanent employees. So you're seeing a big trend where companies are now not only having part-time workers, but they're hiring independent contractors. And there's a difference between being an employee and an independent contractor. Now, they have a maybe a permanent skeleton crew of management, but they're hiring people as, and they call them consultants, on a job-by-job basis because the reality is most people don't aren't productive all year long. And so it makes sense for them because they don't have to pay into Social Security for you. They don't have to pay, um, you know, they, you know, they don't have to take taxes out of your, your income. Uh, you're, as an independent contractor, you're responsible to pay Social Security. You're responsible to pay your own taxes. And so for a business, they can actually pay you more than they would if you were an employee, but still pay less than what they'd have to pay. Right. I don't know if that makes right. sense. They're- right. No, their their expenses as, uh, as an employer is less because you're n- they're no longer responsible for your right. benefit package. You're not right. an employee of theirs, so right. that comes to mind. Then, as a as we are uh, repositioning ourselves as experts, as an independent contractor, we have to now recognize that we have to begin to market ourselves. Absolutely. You know, um, t- talk to us about that. And, and that's not difficult when you look at um, technology. You know, one thing mm-hmm. there are, whether you're talking about LinkedIn or, or other places, you have the ability to really post your, your resume and your skill set. And we have the ability to, to reach out to uh, the world and let them know what your skills are. Um, but the thing is, again, the, the more you have on your resume, the better uh, you look so people are going to seek after you. So when we talk about posting yourself as an independent contractor on a place like Elance or Odesk or Overture, these are all places where you get to bid on opportunities to work around the world. You know, and mm-hmm. one of the things we have to look at, too, is you know, we have to get over the American arrogance. You know, America used to be the place of opportunity for everybody to come to, and now there are emerging countries around the world that are looking for skilled labor. And if you have that skill set, 
you can work anywhere in the world. And, again, because it's so inexpensive and quick and easy to travel around the world, whether you're talking about jet transportation or whether it's virtual on the Internet or whether it's cell phone communication, um, you have the ability to work anywhere in the world. So Brazil uh, was pleading a year or two ago for American workers because they have certain skill sets um, that the people there don't have. And so you have okay. to position yourself as the, the go-to person. Um, and, and really, when you think about it, it can be a very exciting life rather than going to the same nine to five, doing the same thing over and over. You get to go to different places, have different experiences, meet new people. You can almost set your own um, income doing it that way. Um, but that's going to be the wave of the future. So that idea that you're going to go to school for four years or six years if you get your master's and stay on, in one place for your entire working career, uh, get that out of your head because that's not going to happen. Okay, so I guess, Rafika, are you on the line with us? I'm here. Okay, I know that you wanted to talk about something there. Well, I, you know, I know Huru's next point is, is talking about retirement, but before we go into retirement, I wanted to find out, how do you position yourself to be so that you can work overseas? I mean, that's not something that the average person is going to know how to make take those steps. Well, I mean, they, they may not know how to take the steps, but it, it's not it's not difficult. And even in choosing a place to go, um, there's, there are so many resources. And I'll give you one that most people have no clue. Um, the CIA fact book. And again, the what CIA, is the mm-hmm. CIA, like Central Intelligence Agency, CIA yes, fact book. Mm-hmm. Got it. And what that is is, you know, we finance the CIA, by the way, so most things that we finance in the government are in what you call public domain, which means we have access to them if they're not classified. Well, the CIA puts out a report every single year on um, multiple countries, what their economy is is like, what their major imports and exports are like, what the security is like, um, the, all the demographic information that you would ever need to be able to look at a place and say, wow, this is a great opportunity for the types of skills that I have. Mm-hmm. And when we look at emerging economies, um, everybody's looking for infrastructure. And sometimes we don't understand what infrastructure is, and so we say, well, I don't have those type of skills. Well, infrastructure is not just building roads and highways and railways and airports and sewage and all those other things, but infrastructure is also setting up a police force. It's also setting up the educational system. It's also setting up right. firefighting. It's also setting up ambulances. It's also, you know, doing all the things that we take for granted, sanitation. Um, you know, there's so many different things that are required, and they don't have the skill set. Most people here have some type of skill that is exportable. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, we have to be able to, to look at those places and say, wow, that's a great place to, you know, that, that I could set up shop. And the CIA Factbook also has contact information on uh, the, 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 for the uh, diplomats that are there. So you can actually contact them, and, they, and then when you go to their site, it will tell you they might have an American Chamber of Commerce in that place. And so, you know, you kind of whittle it down and whittle it down, just starting from the CIA fact book, taking the information they have there, the contact information they have there for business opportunities there, and whittling it down and whittling it down. And, you know, it's really not that difficult because they're super desperate. Mm. Mm. So let's, let's well. go over the steps again um, for those who may be just joining us. 
Number one, change your mindset to change your life. Number two, strategically realign your assets. And number three, stop saving money in the bank. Now, that that's just going to throw a lot of people off because <laughs> a lot of people, as you said, they have the mindset, put the money in the bank. But as you're saying, on an annual basis, when you look at what your rewards are, what your profits were, what your investment in putting the money in the bank, it's just zero. It's like a dollar or something like that. And really, it's we all know negative. that we look. Yeah. It's negative. <laughs> yes. yes. So we should use the bank to save money for a three-month, three- to six-month period in case of an emergency. Yes. And that's a good strategy, I think. Um, now we're going to go... Number four is one of my favorites, reposition yourself as an expert, and then you offered, you answered the question, well, how do I begin with that? So you look at the CIA fact book, which will give you some ideas of some areas where you can position your skills as an expert and get started, right? And and I'll tell you, even simpler than that, if you go on um, the website elance.com, and most people go on elance and it's daunting, but you don't have to look at the whole thing. If you scroll all the way down to the first page, and you go to the fine print on the bottom, it'll have a little um, uh, link that says te- uh, trends. Mm. And it'll tell you, when you click on that, it will tell you exactly what people around the world are looking for most. And so it might be IT or web design or it might be, um, you know, a tr- translation. That's a big one on there also. And it tells you how many people sought out um, freelancers in that area and how much they paid and the types mm. of jobs that they were looking for. So it'll tell you exactly what, what people are looking for. Now, here's the thing. You don't have to have those skills yourself. See, what people understand, and, and we'll get to it a little later, being a business owner is different than being self-employed. So if they're saying web design is the, skill, is, is the, the job that's in demand most globally, then you say, okay, I'm going to start a web design company because that's what people are looking for around the world. Remember, that goes back to what we said earlier about, you know, giving people exactly what they want and understanding, you know, having a, a demographic with an insatiable appetite. So how do we find somebody to do the web design? Well, if you also go on Elance, you'll also see that there are web designers from around the world. As a matter of fact, there are web designers in India that work at night because their time is total opposite. While we're sleeping, they're working. And mm-hmm. what would cost you... Two thousand twenty five hundred for a website here you can get for two three hundred if you pay one of their uh, freelancers and that's that's big money there so don't feel a way about cheating them you're making them rich there mm-hmm. so what you do you start a company here you market here and then you outsource the work to the people on freelance you know what I mean so there's, a, there's lots of ways to be able to do this and and it minimizes the amount of work that you have to do mm-hmm Right, 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 right. Okay, we're going to hold it there and go right into retirement. What do you mean by um, rethink retirement? Well, you retire from a job, and you usually retire from a job you don't like. So you work on a job <laughs> for, right, 25, 30 years, and you're like, whoo, I'm ready to get out of here, you know, and you're just so thrilled to be gone. And when you create passive income, now, and maybe we have to define that, Passive income, um, the IRS defines it as income from trade or business activities in which you do not materially participate. So that means that you did some hard work once. You put money into maybe some stocks. You may have put money into a mutual fund. You put money into buying real estate. You put money into a business, and it works for you, basically bringing you income 
um, regularly. That's passive income. And there's no retirement from passive income. So what happens is every investment, and people have to really understand this, every investment that you put your money into will become unviable at some point. There's no investment that will be profitable forever. So instead of retiring, what you do is you transfer that money from an unviable um, investment to a new viable investment, and you just keep transferring money over and over and over, whether that's saying, well, Brooklyn is, is booming now, so I'm going to take my money out of Manhattan and put it in Brooklyn, or that means that um, this company has run the course of its life, so I'm going to take my money out of this stock and put it in another stock. You don't invest, you don't, you don't retire from passive income. You only retire from a job. And I think we have to get past that idea uh, of retirement from a job and being able to, and the idea that we'll be able to sustain ourselves on the old models. Um, I don't know about you. I don't want to eat cat food in the latter years of my life because Social Security, the 401K will definitely run out. And, you know, the, the pension will, will just barely get you by because we're living much longer now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, in the past, you know, people retired at, at 62 and 65, they were gone. So right. they didn't need to have that much saved. Now, you know, you'll be in trouble. Just that, that idea of, of retirement is it's an obsolete idea. You have to create passive income streams for yourself, and those passive income streams have to be modified slightly throughout your life, but they will sustain you for the rest of your life. Well, that brings me to the next thing that I want to discuss is how do you go about creating these passive streams of income? Okay, well, there are basically only three legal ways to create passive income in America, and that's real estate investing, securities Mm -hmm. investing, or business ownership, and again, which is different from being self-employed or, you know, people try to get you with the MLM uh, that you're an independent business owner. You're not. Um, mm-hmm. And so if we examine each of those things, you know, real estate investing means that you're, you're creating money every single month from rental income. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not talking about people who invest in, in flip properties because that money will, will last you for a short period of time. And you have to continue doing that over and over and over and over. I mean, when you can find a property that can pay you monthly and your expenses are less than the income that it produces, that's real estate investing. Um, right. A lot of people misunderstand because they're homeowners. Now, homeown- being a homeowner is different than being an investor. Um, being right. a homeowner, you have to have a job um, in order to qualify for a mortgage. You have to have good credit to qualify for a mortgage. Um, you know, they put you through the ringer and make you jump through hoops, basically, to buy a property. But a real estate investor, it's, it's a lot different um, because the sources of, of funding come from different places. And so mm-hmm. um, you have to understand that once you're an investor, you don't even need your credit. You need credibility. Right. So once you're an investor, you're going to seek out, sometimes you use what you call hard money lenders. Sometimes you'll get a, um, you know, a private lender as a partner. Um, they have now even crowdfunding uh, for mm-hmm. real estate, believe it or not, that is specifically for that. And it's, well, they also call it peer lending uh, for real estate. So, you know, getting into that is not that difficult. And once you get one, it's a lot easier to get another and another and another. Um, when we talk about investing in securities, again, bonds are not good right now, but there mm-hmm. are certain stocks that, that are pretty good. Um, now, let me just really talk about that uh, 
a lot of people who got into 401ks, IRAs, TDAs, those are what you call tax-deferred annuities. And right. we, were sold, we were sold on those things as a good strategy because the idea was you put your money into it and you don't get tax capital gains at the end of the year. Um, and so you don't get taxed on it until you take it out at 62. Right. And, 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 and the idea was that you'd be in a lower tax bracket when you're 62. Now, there's a few flaws with that idea. The first is that there's no guarantee what the tax rate will be when you're 62 because at the end of World War II, the highest tax rate was 90%. And so there's mm. no guarantee that you know, the tax rate won't continue to go up because in all likelihood it, it will. And here's the other thing. If you're in a lower tax bracket at 62 than you are now, that means you're making less income. I don't want to be making less income at 62 than I am now. Right. So right. that doesn't make that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. An IRA, 401k, TDA is a, is just like a mutual fund, except a mutual fund you get taxed at the end of the year on your capital gains, and capital gains tax is far less than earned income, by the way. And you can take your money out anytime you want to without a penalty. Okay. So, so say that again. You, okay. Say it again. It, because I don't think everyone caught that. Right. A mutual fund operates mm-hmm. exactly the same as a 401k, TDA, or IRA. It's a, it's a, it is a fund manager. You put your money into it with a, and a whole bunch of other people put their money into the fund. The fund manager makes investments for you. The difference is if you elect to do it as a retirement account, a 401k, TDA, IRA, then you cannot touch your money without penalty until you're 62 years old. And you mm-hmm. defer the taxes until you take it out, but you get taxed at your earned income rate at what it is at 62. Whereas a mutual fund, you pay your capital gains tax, which is right now is about 20%. You pay your capital gains tax at the end of the year on the money that you made, but you can take the money out anytime you want to. Now, here's the mm-hmm. thing. We live in a volatile economy. It's not like the old days. The old days, the strategy was if you make an investment – in the stock market, and, and mutual funds do that. They invest in the stock market. That every mm-hmm. five years that you, you leave it in, in the market, it loses 20% risk. So that if you leave it there 25 years, it's almost like having zero risk. Well, we know right. that doesn't, that's not true anymore. Um, we live in a very volatile, volatile market that goes up and down regularly. So if I can't touch my money until I'm 62 without penalty, then I could be in a situation like most people were, during the Great Recession, where they lost 60% of the value. If you have a mutual fund which invests in the exact same things in the exact same way, all you have to mm-hmm. do is make a phone call, and you will get your shares redeemed at whatever the price is at 5 o'clock on that day, and it will be in your bank account or however you want it. If you want to check, the next day you'll have it. And that makes mm-hmm. much more sense today than leaving it in there because when that fund is no longer viable, you can move it to another fund without penalty. Right. Right. So we have to look at, at vehicles like that. Um, and, and again, mm-hmm. business ownership, we talked about the success model, uh, but you have to set yourself up where you can go on vacation. See, people don't understand the difference between self-employed and being a business owner. Self-employed means you have 15 jobs. You're the janitor. You're the bookkeeper. You're the mm-hmm. sales rep. You're, you're the marketing manager. You're the human resources manager. You're the everything. And mm-hmm. what happens is you put so much 
time, energy, and work into trying to do so many things, you don't do anything well. And your this business is will suffer. And on top of that, you can never leave the business. When you leave the business, you try to go on vacation, the business fails. So you mm. don't want a situation where you leave your job to go to 15 jobs. That's not very mm-hmm. rewarding. You want mm-hmm. to be a business owner. So now the difference is a business owner having a controlling interest in, in a company, and, and let me explain, this is why uh, muscle-level market is not, you're not an independent business owner. You do not have a controlling interest in multi-level marketing, meaning you can't change the pricing of the product, you can't change the products and services being offered, you can't change the design of the package, you can't change anything about that. You actually are a sales representative for a multi-level marketing company. Now, being a business owner, you have a controlling interest, which means you dictate the pricing, the product, the service, how it's delivered, all these other things. You're in control of that, but you create the vision and let other people do the work for you which means mm-hmm. that you have the ability to step out of that because you create a system and money's still coming in. I don't work in the summer mm-hmm. at all. My birthday's in the summer, so I take the whole summer off. But money still comes mm-hmm. in. And you mm-hmm. have to set your, your life up that way uh, so that you can enjoy your life. It doesn't make sense to me to just grind and grind and grind your entire life and hope to, uh, by deferring your, your enjoyment, hope to enjoy the last few years of your life. You know, I right. set my life up in a, in a way where uh, when my kids were growing up, I never missed a school event. I never missed a sporting event. I never missed uh, one of their performances. I never missed any of those things because I had the ability to, at, at will, step away from whatever I was doing and know that the money was still coming in. So, you know, those, those are the type of things that you have to do. It's either business ownership, not self-employed, real estate investing, or securities investing. And, you know, we have to be mm-hmm. careful when we invest in things um, – you know, we hear a lot of things from people who aren't really doing it. It's like people say, buy gold. And wow. gold is, is, is not one of the, yeah, you know, you know how people run to buy gold. Gold and silver, buy gold and silver because the economy might collapse, um, which is right. a crazy concept because if the economy collapses and your gold and silver will be worthless too, right? Um, no one's going to be uh, worth anything is, is food, water, and, and ammunition. Um, mm-hmm. But when you invest That's in gold, another topic. Yeah, a whole other topic, right? Uh, when you invest in gold, you, you're just speculating, meaning that right. you're buying it at one price with the hope that it'll continue to go up in value and you'll be able to sell it at the height of the market and make some money. Um, right, make but in the meantime, gold pays no dividends, which means you tied mm. your money up and it's not paying you anything. Uh, like, um, you know, if you're in real estate, it's paying you rent every month. If you're in security, it's paying you dividends every month. If you're in business, it's paying you income every single month. Gold is not paying you anything. So you're just That's hoping. True. Now, what gold could be is a good hedge against inflation, meaning that um, anytime an economy starts to suffer, the price of gold goes up. That's, that's right. just historic. That We know that. So the, the idea, though, is not to buy gold when the price is going up. It's to buy gold when the economy is great and the price has bottomed out. Mm-hmm. So when the price is bottomed out, you buy it. So when the economy does decline, and when you cash it in when the economy declines, you've maintained the value, the purchasing power of your dollars, as opposed to having it decline with inflation. Mm-hmm. So it's not, a, it's not really an investment. It's just a, a, a decent, not the greatest, a decent hedge against inflation. Mm. Well, let me ask you, brother. Um, when people say, 
those three secrets to financial freedom sounds really good. You know, investing in real estate, investing in securities like you talked about, the mutual fund, um, you know, uh, and also owning a business. The first thing they will say to you is, well, how do I do that? And I'll, I don't have any money. What do you say to people that. like that? You know, I kind of knew you were going to say that. Um, and now here's, here's the thing that people don't understand. You should never use your own money, even if you have it. Mm -hmm. Your money is for you to enjoy. Now, I'm going to—I didn't plan on doing this, but I'm going to share a little secret formula with you that that I use that will make you um, very successful. Everybody very successful, and this is really one of the secrets that the wealthy closely guard. And you know, it's it's really simple. Um, the first thing is five five pieces to this. Mm -hmm. You have to use other people's money, and I'll explain each of them after. You have to use other people's money. You have to use other people's ideas. Mm -hmm. You have to use other people's resources. You have to use other people's work. And you have to use other people's experience. Mm. Uh, let me explain that. If you don't, if, if you use your own money, then your money's tied up. Right. And here's the other rule. If you take the risk, you shouldn't pay for it too. Mm. See, the wealthy people take a lot of risk, but the middle class pays, pay for the risk. Hmm. Middle class, now, let me explain. Middle class people are always looking for a fixed investment to put their money into. When we buy stocks, we're financing somebody else's business. When we buy right. mutual funds, we are financing. When we buy corporate bonds, we are financing someone else's business. So you have to take that same rule and you have to use other people's money. So the question is, how do you get other people's money? Well, when the banks created a vacuum by not lending and the SBA stopped lending, all these new sources of, of money came about. You have um, crowdsource funding, which people are using where um, you put something on, say, Kickstarter or Indiegogo, and you get some money. We have now micro lending, um, which is, loans up to about $45,000. We have peer lending where we have groups like the lending the lending club where you have mm -hmm. actual uh, regular people doing what the bank used to do. Um, we have uh, you know so many different outlets. We have uh, angel investors um, mm -hmm. and there are about there are hundreds of thousands of angel investors in America. Um, we have venture capitalists and venture capital is, is growing in America, and it's interesting because it used to be divided East Coast and West Coast. The West Coast used to only deal with technology, and the East Coast dealt with other types of businesses, and now it's crossing over. Um, we also have in, uh, money that's coming from other countries. All these emerging economies, we have to understand, uh, have people that are, are suddenly working. They're putting their money into the banks there. The banks need to make money, so they're looking to invest in something. So there, there are international um, uh, means of, of getting money, too. Uh, if we look at the Barclays Center in, in New York City in Brooklyn, that was financed by a, a Russian billionaire. Um, so there's money coming from all over the world now. So there's actually more sources of money available today than there was prior to the recession. So, yes. you know, you, if, you, if, even like, so my thing is, even if you have money, you don't use your own money. Your money is for your enjoyment. Other people's money is to grow your business or your investment opportunities. Beautiful, beautiful. Well said, well said, well said. So, again, that 
that those were five key elements other people's money other people's ideas other people's resources other people's labor or work and other people's experience that is a fabulous concept and i, and I can see that it could it could um uh, work for if it works for them it can work for you and i right so uh i'm gonna i'm i done a, took some james um we have a uh and haru we have a question in the chat room in the facebook chat chat room and it says um how does the average Joe get connected with those uh, funding sources if they have low credit score and no but I think it's a business business history well I mean a lot of it is um, you're not going to get the you might have to use a combination of sources if you have no and again it's not about your credit history so much as your credibility um, so you'll get some from a microloan. You'll get some from crowdsource funding. You'll get some from an angel investor. You'll get some from people you know. You'll get some from putting out um, uh, an ad on, on social media and saying, I'm looking for a partner for so-and-so business. Um, you know, we have to be, get creative and use combinations of some of those things. So the average Joe, these things are designed for the average Joe. You know, these mm -hmm. aren't the old institutional ways of doing it. These were designed because the small business owner and the average Joe were, were suddenly found it difficult to, to raise money. And so uh, the average Joe can easily do these things. This is not something that's out of reach for anybody. Mm. There's another well, question we... in the chat room. Go ahead. Rafika. Uh, question, um, uh, Riverdue, uh, that's his name, says, uh, does Haru... Uh, think that crowdsource funding has been overused since more people are aware of it. Mm, good question. Well, overuse is, is as long as it's still um, making some people money. I wouldn't say it's overused. I think people don't use it properly or don't know how to use it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, it's ridiculous. There was a guy who actually uh, said he put it out there that he wanted to make a salad dressing, and he was really just talking about for himself one time he ended up raising close to a million dollars uh to make a salad dressing you know when we look at mm. that the, the police officer that, that that murdered the guy the other day he had a million dollars bail and the next day through crowdsource funding he made a million dollars so you know some of it has to do with with how big your network is um some right. of it has to do with with the your idea some of it has to do mm. with um the, the with them which means what's in it for me People have to see that there's something in it for them that, that's meaningful to them. Um, sometimes it has to be something that's, that they feel is worthy. So is it overused? I wouldn't necessarily say overused. I'd say not used properly by a lot of people because it's, it, it's still growing as a means of, of inc is, uh, raising money for a lot of people. Okay. Okay. I, and I agree. I think I think that point you're making about it about it not being used properly is something that we have to key in on, Brother James. And maybe we should just do a show that focuses on crowdfunding. You know, the pros and the cons and and the how tos because a lot of people think you just set it up and you put it on Facebook and <laughs> it's done, but it's not that right. easy. Right. It takes some work. It takes some effort. It takes some work. Yeah. So we we um we hit six points, believe it or not, 
in this hour of power with our financial key. And I'm just going to review them, and then we're just going to go to a quick commercial break and come in, and you got something very important to talk about for your seventh point. So change your mindset, change your life, strategically realign your assets, stop saving money in the bank, reposition yourself as an expert, Think, rethink retirement, create passive, uh, create passive streams of income, and um, with the passive streams of income, I know that that could be a blurred line for some people because when you put that word passive in there, it kind of takes the mind to something where you're just sitting back. <laughs> and waiting for it to come to you. <laughs> well, waiting I, I mean, for it to come. For it, waiting you, for you, you do have to do some hard work to set it up. <laughs> um, and you have to do some a little bit of work to maintain it. But um, for the most part, you do sit back and let the money come. But after you've set it up and, and the system is running and you maintain, you know, the system in good work and order, um, you do sit back, you know, as opposed to getting up every single day and running to a job, you know. Well, I, I agree. I you know, I, I, and, and I was going to say, Rafiki, if you don't mind, before we go any further, I just want to go back a little bit to that to that, um, that changing your mind uh, set and um, savings, That's you know, stop one. saving money. I know, just only, I, just because I, it just came to me a few minutes ago, you know, when we assess our finances and our expenditures each month, we can look at our car notes, our credit cards, the food that we eat on the outside, um, money we spend on clothing, and entertainment, um, our insurances and everything, and make a commitment to reduce our expenses by 20%, yeah. if that's the goal, or 10%, 15%, whatever, 25%. And some of the things that are practical so that we, now we can have money to invest back into ourselves, you can take and um, uh, have your taxes grieved in terms of your homeowner. You may save five hundred, a thousand dollars on your taxes, depending on how much taxes you got. Um, you could um, um, go out and 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 look for insurance um, uh, that is cheap, uh, cheaper car insurance, cheaper home insurance. Reduce that by hundreds of dollars. We could, um, you know, uh, just say I am not buying uh, coffee anymore outside the house or whatever it is. Stop buying the Daily News. You could change your mindset, and therefore the challenge of not having money, well, now you will have um, asset uh, money in your pocket that you're not spending that you could use to invest it back into yourself and into your business. I just wanted to and, share and, that and, because... And, and, mm -hmm. and can I add something to that? You know, you yes, can sir. cut costs and not cut lifestyle. Right. And, and, that's, and that's important for people to understand. You don't have to pay the highest price for everything. You know, we have the ability mm -hmm. now with technology, again, to find the exact same things, exact same quality that we had before at a much less, you know, much lower price. So mm -hmm. you have to cut the cost, and you don't have to sacrifice the lifestyle. Right, exactly, exactly. And so we, I think that itself may be a show all to itself in terms of maybe in the future we talk about that in depth because you could uh, refinance your car, you know, <laughs> You know, there's so many different things you can look at um, to help you to get that base money to invest in yourself uh, and into your business, become that consultant, that global entity, and um, 
the money you already have, you just don't know it yet. You know, I just want well, to say James, that. I want, know, to take, I want to take a moment before I, we go any further and just thank our listening audience for taking time to tune in and listen to this very important message because it is a mindset change. It is a lifestyle readjustment to thinking that you can be financially free. And on that note, I've got, Haru, I've got about three pages of notes from all that you've talked about today. Wow. Haru. My mic is going in and out. So oh, we're going to yeah. go to a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. The Keys 107. We'll be right back. The first of our family is close up in the sky. Fluff presents the alphabet is available on Amazon.com and on Kindle. So get your copy today. For more information, go to www.thefluffffamily.com. For fashion that bring out the best in you, go to moon107.com. That's M-A-U-N-107.com. We feature organic hair and skin products, pink Himalayan sea salt, women's tunic tops, children's books, jewelry, art, and organite. Visit us on the web at moon107.com, M-A-U-N-107.com. Focusing on the financial key today, we have our very special guest, um, entrepreneur, author, financial consultant, and I'm going to tag Guru on that to you, Haru, after listening to you today. (laughs) He's giving us seven gems to help you change your mind and give you seven steps towards financial freedom. And we're going to now delve into the seventh step. Uh, James, are you ready? Yes, um, as you said, brother is all that a guru and a, and a warrior because we're fighting against a mindset that is prevalent in our community. And um, I know that many of us need to be able to reach out and touch and talk to someone who is considered an expert. Can you talk to us about the uh, how we should go about utilizing expert advice of others? Well, one thing we have to really be careful about where we get our advice, and mm-hmm. you know, it's unfortunate that we tend to get our advice from, uh, you know, old Uncle Bob, who, uh, <laughs> really, <laughs> right, who, who, who really means well because he loves you, uh, but doesn't mm-hmm. have <laughs> doesn't have experience um, doing the things that you need to do, especially today. Um, even if he had experience doing business twenty years ago, business is done differently. So we have to really be careful. Um, even the, the, the so-called gurus that uh, are well advertised, um, if they haven't done real estate in your market today, then their right. information is not useful. Um, not relevant. You know, and, yeah, mm-hmm. not relevant. I don't, and I don't want to call any names, but, um, you know, 
if if all you did was write books and you never really had a business, then you really can't tell me how to run a business. And so you need to make sure people who are telling you what to do are current um, in the market that you're trying to get involved in. Um, I would never tell somebody in, I don't know, um, Alaska how to buy real estate in Alaska because I don't know that market. Um, you know, the market where I'm at is different than what it is in Alaska. And so, you know, it, it's really important that you interview, because they're working for you, that you interview the people that are calling themselves experts. Um, so there's certain questions you're going to have to ask. You know, what is their history? What is their, their current um, involvement in that thing you're trying to do? Do they have time to work with you? Um, you know, what is their particular style? Does it gel with your style? Do you need a lot of hand-holding, or do you just need do you need access to that person? And how how can you access that person? Or is it that you're going to get one of their uh, apprentices or somebody like that? You know, so, you know, those things are important. Um, but you don't always have to necessarily get advice from, from a paid professional. Um, you know, sometimes it, it, it pays to try to find a mentor. And I think people go mm. about trying to find a mentor the wrong way. Um, I have people approach me all the time and say, well, I'd like to take you out to lunch. And, and well, you're not going to pick my brain for lunch. What I have to offer is worth a lot more than the $10, $15 lunch. You know, that's not going to happen. Right. Um, and you're, and you're, you're distracting me from what I'm trying to, to do. So uh, a better way to find a mentor is find out what they're working on and ask them if you can help them achieve that. Because, you know, mentors love to share, but you have to give something, too. Right. I don't know anybody who's successful who doesn't love to tell about how they became successful and doesn't want to share that with with somebody else. Um, But you have to approach it properly. You say, well, what are you working on? Can I help you accomplish that? And ask for nothing in return, but you will get a lot in return because that on-the-job training is is worth far more than what somebody can share with you at lunchtime. Um, That's a beautiful Speaking about the mentor, I don't remember who said it, but it was something in the lines of you have to ask the person. You can't just latch on to someone and then say, oh, they're a mentor. Right. And it has to be a mutually agreed-upon relationship. Right. Uh, Another thing that's important is um, having, like, a mastermind group. You know, and I think that – you know, some people are familiar with the concept of masterminding, but, you know, masterminding now, you don't even need people in your local area because with technology, you can mastermind with people from around the country. You can mastermind with people around the world um, because you can talk, you know, over the Internet. Um, so it's important that you find a group of people who are highly motivated, not necessarily in the same industry as you, but that can hold you accountable and share ideas and resources with you. So that's important in terms of um you know, doing that. It's, it's also important that you, you tap into, again, all the resources. When we talk about mind sharing, it's similar to crowdsource funding, but it's mind sharing, it's sharing of ideas and concepts. Uh, and there's a lot of groups on the Internet now where you can do that. There's, like I said, Quora where you can ask questions. There are so many ways to be able to tap into the resources of the world, and that's critically important because the world is changing so fast. You know, may uh, I? May no, I'm sorry, Brother Haru. I just, I just wanted to ask. I'm kind of fascinated to know whether you are involved with any of these um, masterminding uh, groups or have Absolutely. been in the past. Yes, I have a mastermind group. You know, I have. Um, it's interesting because I created a mastermind group for students of mine, um, 
and I mm-hmm. mentor them. And I'm part of a mastermind group for myself because I still need to, to grow. And I still want to, to be more successful. So I would never tell somebody to do something I don't do. Um, the only mm-hmm. things I share with people are things that I found to be successful. I've seen them in myself or in others. So um, I definitely, you know, tap into everything that I'm, I'm telling you uh, in terms of mentorship, in terms of mastermind group, in terms of tapping into mind sharing. Um, you, if you go on, on Quora, you'll see me answering questions and you'll see me asking questions. You know, I, I, I do it in, uh, from both ways. How do you spell that? Uh, Q-U-O-R-A. Quora. dot com. Yes. Yes. So if we had business questions, financial, personal finances questions, Absolutely. we can go on, on Quora and ask the question and someone will respond to us. It's so it's an open dialogue. Anybody yes. can respond. Not someone, not only someone, you might get 50 responses. Um, mm-hmm. And the good thing is Next to each person, uh, people kind of qualify themselves. They might say, I'm an expert in something, or they might say, I'm just answering the question. So you can kind of, you know, pick and choose in terms of uh, whose answers you value, you know, because Mm -hmm. it could be Uncle Bob just answering, right? But it it could Mm -hmm. be so-and-so who's a financial expert. So you get to see it from a lot of different perspectives, which is good. Right. We had a caller who wanted to ask a question, but his line dropped. His name is Larry, and Larry, if you're listening out there... um, the same question that you might have been able, wanted to pose about starting a business, the Haru, you can now go to Cora and do it, or you know, call back in or send me a word through the uh, chat room before we we sign off, and maybe we'll be able to answer that question for you before we uh, finish our uh, discussion for today. And, and so and the just thing is, that's I, great. I have no problem if they want to email me, you know, send me an email. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm open to that too. Okay. Okay. This this is the perfect segue in, into our next um, segment as we come closer to the end of this of this segment part two of our entrepreneur series. The seven points I'm going to review them because I know you have your pen and your paper. And as I always say, you got to take notes because this is a classroom. Change your mind. Change your mindset to change your life. Strategically realign your assets. Stop saving money in the bank. Reposition yourself as an expert. Rethink retirement. Create passive streams of income, and the last one that Haru talked about for this segment um, is use expert advice of others. And in that area, he talked about um, mastermind groups, mm-hmm. find a mentor, and hire experts. Right. Did you but with a cautionary note. Um, wait, and, Haru, and, did you talk on that yeah. fully? Okay. Yes. And. And he says the world is moving too fast to try to figure it out alone, and it's true because, as you said earlier, the point you made about many of us, and I'm, I think you was talking to me, who start a business and they're doing everything by themselves. Need you need well, help? I'll, I'll give you a, I'll give you a quick anecdotal if you don't if we have time. Um, I used to have the number one hostel in New York City called Crown Brownstone, and you know I I started it because it's just the trends look look fantastic. Um, and I did everything. I built it out and did everything, and I realized I don't know how to run a hostel. And I actually hired mm-hmm. uh, the person who owned the number one hostel at the time. I hired him to train my management staff um, so that they knew how to run it. And no exaggeration, within two months I surpassed what he was doing. Now, there were over a 1,000 hostels in New York, and within two months mm-hmm. my hostel became the number one hostel in New York, and I opened up three other locations 
um, mm. being able to do that. And then the hospital industry um, went down when the recession went, when the credit crisis hit Europe. But had I not done that and tried to figure it out on my own, I never would have made a profit uh, when I did before the credit uh, collapse in Europe. So it's important. The world is changing so rapidly. You want to find out how to be successful, ride it till the wheels fall off, don't be emotionally attached to it and just move on to the next thing. But you got to find the expert on that next thing and that next thing and that next thing so that you remain, you know, ahead of the trends and stay successful. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, there's so much more to learn in this area. It is so vital for our survival that we know how to create wealth, be able to, um, you know, because we, we know that debt is slavery. Get out of debt is 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 something that, most Americans need to know um, and to just put a peace of mind to know that your life is in order financially. We need to listen to this segment over and over because it is in our archives or will be in the archives. And then we have to look forward to uh, picking up one of a book, you know, uh, let's go out and get the recession driven riches by our brother Haru and read it and uh, uh, look them up on, on the internet and study the interviews um, that he has had in the past so that we can learn much more about our financial health. So um, let me ask you uh, one last thing before we go. Um, sure. How did you get started with this? You know, uh, you know, I said it back in 2004 you got started, but I never asked you how did you get started? Well, let me talk about why I got started first. Um, you know, in mm-hmm. 2000, I started in 2004, 2002, um, I was an educator, I was a teacher, and you know, they used to give us the summers off. And I went to a staff meeting in September, first day, and I sat there and I asked myself, why am I still here? And I couldn't mm. find a good enough answer for myself why I was still there. And I had made a decision at that point that I was going to leave the job. And I, I had 13 years in at the time, and I gave myself two years. And I walked up to my boss at the end of the meeting, and I told her, I said, you've got two years to find a replacement for me because I'm leaving. And I told everybody on my job, I said, in two years I'm leaving. And I went home and I told my wife, that didn't go over well, by the way. I said, in two years I'm leaving mm. my job. I told all my friends, I told everybody that respected me, in two years I'm leaving. And, um, and it was tough because I had no clue. Uh, what I was going to do, not only to replace my income, but to, to make my income grow exponentially. And so like most people, you know, I'm an information junkie. I ran straight to Barnes and & Nobles and bought every book I could read, and, and, and it didn't do it. It wasn't enough. And long story short, it wasn't until I actually met people who were doing it, and I got a mentor, and, you know, he started showing me the ropes, um, that I actually started seeing success. And he went from a mentor to a business partner. Um, and his resources became my resources, and then I got my own connections from those resources, and it grew and grew and grew. My first deal was with Donald Trump, uh, my first real estate deal. Mm-hmm. I bought um, some units in the Heritage Building, uh, that's on 72nd Street in Manhattan, and was able to flip those, and, and that made enough money for me to be able to quit my job. And, you know, once right. I was able to accomplish that, you know, people realized, hey, this guy's serious. They wanted to let me in on every deal. And the first deal is always going to be the hardest deal. The first business is always going to be the most difficult business. Um, but once you, again, you, you gain credibility and you gain that network of people, uh, it becomes easier and easier and easier over time. 
Well, I'm glad we didn't leave this segment without asking you that question because I think that is so profound. It is very inspirational. And uh, as we always say on the Keys 107, we are uh, opening doors to endless possibilities. And when we hear uh, a, a brother's humble beginning and how he got started, it makes it makes our dreams uh, attainable, just even in the thought form that we know that if we just give it a try, there's a possibility that we can make it happen. So we thank you, brother, for coming on and sharing with us all the jewels that you have dropped on our, on our audience today. And uh, we look forward to, in the future to have you back, talk specifically about anything financially that you want. You are now the Keys 107 financial guru. Thank you. I so, appreciate that. Yes, sir. Rafika, are you still with us? Let's, yes, um, of course. I, I can't leave you guys. Um, give, <laughs> let's give the listening audience your contact information, your Facebook, your social media, sure. so that they can um, – because you, you have a consultant business. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. And, and I do classes. I do a lot of free workshops and classes um, also. So um, they can uh, go to www.insidersgroup.com. Um, that's insidersgroup.com. Um, you can also find me on Facebook under Insiders Group. Um, there, are, you know, I have a, uh, quite a few videos on YouTube, but they can email me directly at Haru H-E-R-U at insidersgroup.com. So, um, you know, I look forward to hearing from everybody again. I can let them know when I have a lot of free workshops where we'll actually sit down, and I don't hold back because um, I let people know me showing you how to make money doesn't take a dime out of my pocket. So, you know, you come to my workshops and they're just packed full of information. If you took a lot of notes today, you'll take even more notes because, you know, I usually have two and a half, three hours of just nonstop information for free. So, okay. Well, you let us know the, the very next time you're giving one of those workshops and we will, you know, set up a, a commercial on the keys to broadcast that information and co-promote it with you. And uh, we will be right there. I'll be right in the front with my notebook. In Absolutely. Well, <laughs> she writes faster than I. I just might record it, brother, if you give me permission. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> well, Haru, we want to thank you. We want to thank all the callers who are on the line. Even though they're shy, they won't press the number one. They're just listening in. We want to thank all the people in the chat room who, who asked the question or made a comment. And um, just to let everybody know, as Brother James said earlier, all of our shows are archived on the keys on www.blogtalkradio.com slash thekeys107. You can also go to our website, www.thekeys107network.com. We have a Facebook group, and right now it's a secret group. That wasn't intentional. We're going to open that up in a couple of days. We are consulting our Facebook expert, Haru, to get advice <laughs> on the best <laughs> the best path to take in, in that um, very nefarious uh, uh, Facebook policy and setting up things. So we're going to work with that and open that group up to we all. We now have about 46,000 um, members who have been with us for the last three years that we've, what did you say? 4,600. 4,600. 4,600. 4,600, correction. (laughs) Uh, People who have been with us since the beginning when we started the Keys 107 Network. And uh, did I leave anything out? Um, Also, we want to thank Medea Allen, 
the organic soul chef and uh, South African jazz musician Ernie J. Smith for providing the music that you hear under Medea's uh, healthy tip of the day. I want to well, thank our co you... engineer Sadat. Go ahead. Yes, yes, yes. I was going to say before, as you said, South Africa, we're trying to put it out there that next year, this time, we will be in South Africa yes. and we'll give you information for all those. Absolutely. And that goes with that global thinking, Brother Haru. We went there last time with a group of people trying to do business or looking to do business with the South African government and its people. And it was a wonderful experience. Some people have done very well um, uh, exchanging goods and services with South Africa. We want to open that channel and be a part of that. So uh, thank you for uh, you know giving us that, uh, uh, that mindset of doing global business. And one of the things that is going to be um, talked about when, or, or I should say initiated when we go to South Africa is people who are interested in doing business with South Africa, either as import or export, will have um, opportunities to sit with government officials in business breakfast um, there. So there's a lot going on with that trip. We have some people who have already committed to being there um, with us. We're listening to Ernie Day Smith and James it's time to go. James, are you having technical difficulties? <laughs> that is not I. <laughs> the system has a mind of its own. <laughs> it certainly no, does, you know. But listen, I had a great time. Um, I really had a great time. And Haru, seven points, seven strategies for uh, financial success has been mind-blowing, especially his conversation about the bank. And um, listen, tune in next week. We'll have the Entrepreneur Series Part 3. I am Rafika. This is Brother James. James. Brother James. This is Brother James. Signing off. Yeah, love, peace, and happiness. Thank you, my family. Until the next time, we're out. Listening to the Keys 107, opening the doors to endless possibilities in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness with your host, Rafika and Brother James.